Alright, so I am sitting here in the van of Heartsick with the heat on, thankfully. Uh, so gracias to that, because it it's actually, cold as shit since it, uh, it actually works. since it started snowing <laughs> in the last day or so. Um, here with, uh, thank you, with uh, Jared and uh, Alfonso. And I think uh, Nico might be on his way eventually. And Waylon is probably drinking uh, his uh, casino money away. <laughs> and we have Derek uh, from Assume Nothing, if I'm correct. Yeah, look at that. Free plug for you guys, for all ten people who will listen to this. Um, but we are sitting in the van, and uh, I want to talk to Alfonso and the dudes, and uh, just kind of get a sit down and really talk about the band's history and what the name change, which we'll get to eventually, has uh, has done for the band and where they've gone from there. So let's, uh, I guess, let's start at the beginning. Alfonso, uh, where where to, where did Heart Slick, Heart Sick slash No Life start? Uh, we started basically. We started um, at Michigan State University. Really, we uh, we went. Um, myself and Jared met at school at MSU um, in the in the dorms. And then we hung out for like a year and just wrote like a bunch of, you know, just riffs here and there. And, you know, we'd find like places in the dorms to like write riffs. And then I walked into a music store one day uh, in town in Lansing and we uh, saw like a uh, ad for a band like looking for like a bass player, I think it was. And I, at the time I was a bass player and when I called, you know, um, Nick answered, it was Nick that answered the phone. And I told him I'd come and try out, but he had to he had to let uh, our uh, my buddy who played guitar, who was an awesome guitar player, try out too. And he's like, "Yeah, sure." And fucking since that day, man, that that was it. Literally, we we jammed that day, and that was fucking story begun right then and there. <laughs> Did you guys write anything that for those that have been with the band long term? <laughs> with the band long term have you guys picked up was there anything that ended up on like even the first EP or anything that you did like yeah for like a frame of reference yeah like a, a lot of stuff that we wrote I mean we were young man I mean all of us were like 18 19 you know most of us and 56 now fuck you <laughs> um you know all of us all of us were really young bro all of us and and the age the band age was pretty much the average was 18 and a lot of the songs that we wrote ended up being on like on our first like record, which we released, you know, I think like in like 2003, yeah. I think it was. And it was like, uh, it, it was really, you know, I mean, it was like beginner songs, you know, I don't think it was like the most terrible shit in the world, but it definitely wasn't like, I mean, I, I go back and I listen to some of the stuff and I laugh because it's funny because we were so young, <laughs> but I wouldn't say like a lot, I don't know, maybe a lot of bands are like, oh, I was... You know, when you think about, like, the beginning of the band and shit, like, oh, that was so terrible. I don't think that we, like, had terrible shit. Like, I don't think it was great by any means, <laughs> but I don't think it was, like, the worst shit in the world. I Were you be embarrassed if people still hear it? No, I mean, I would just laugh. Like, I don't really <laughs> care, you know? Like, I wouldn't be embarrassed because the thing is, it's like, that's something that we put out when we felt it was, like... It mattered to us, you know, so why be embarrassed about something that mattered to you at the time? Like, there's no reason to be embarrassed about that shit that's your art. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be great. 
but like that's that's like where you start. So why be embarrassed if we're like you start We've been growing? Since yeah, then, like I would have you gotta be, be more embarrassing if we were at the same. School yeah, school like that for sure. Like Jared like, said, with any job or career, you got your first few years are just kind of testing it out, and then getting into it and making a, a people just you know once you start getting into it everything's flowing then you know that you know there are better things ahead and that's what kind of keeps the drive going so have, have you yourself gone back and listened to some of the first recordings you guys did oh yeah we all listen yeah to i've this. listened to Do you yeah. i feel like it's almost like a uh what's the word i'm looking for it's almost like a like a catch-22 like a lot of bands like, when I did the interview with Frank from The World We Knew the other day, like, he was like, oh, I recently went back and visited our discography and started listening, like, the first record we did, and I, I or, like, the first band I was in, and I don't want anyone to fucking hear that, because I'm embarrassed by it, and I went back and listened to this, and it was a little bit better, and really, like, the only record he said that he was, like, thought was tolerable was the newest one, and I was like, well, I mean, at that point, I would assume you're listening to it going, like, well, it's not so bad, because I've learned from the years of doing it and what I wanted to do and how to do it so therefore like I can put that to practice as opposed to being like well I mean we were figuring out what we wanted to do and who we wanted to be in our sound instead of just sounding like a fucking glass jaw rip off or whatever for sure I mean like every, I, mean, I mean everybody's gonna have their own opinion about their own shit you know some people you know will have that opinion that they're embarrassed I mean me on a personal level I don't because it's it's one of the. It's a to me personally. I think that that's a confidence thing. Like, I'm confident that when we started, we weren't gonna be the best fucking band ever, but we were trying to be the best band we could be at that time, and write stuff that we felt was true to who we were. So I'd never be embarrassed. I, don't get me wrong. We listen to that shit and we laugh about that shit all the time. We make. Well, we wouldn't be where <laughs> we were know? at if we didn't go through. Yeah, I mean we we laugh at that shit constantly. We make we poke fun at each other all the time. Great recordings, you know. You know, improve. I get. Yeah, yeah. A lot better than like if it was twenty years before that, where we'd barely have anything on a cassette tape or anything. (laughs) We can't even record. So yeah, it it definitely helped us, and we're not trying to promote it at all or do anything (laughs) like that. But if somebody finds it, then. Those are the people that are really interested in the band, and or they're just out there to troll you and find old yeah. shit too. But we don't care. That's out there. That's who we are. It's you know, that's who we were pretty For, much, especially within the name change. I mean, that's and that's if you just, can find that shit out there, then you probably are a fan. If you're looking <laughs> at our yeah. fan, because that's just not easy to find. And if you're not a fan, then you're just a loser because you're spending <laughs> all your time trying to find something. Yeah, bro. I, nobody I, really cares. Spotify. What, yeah, when I was thinking about uh, about doing this and just random questions and thinking about the past, because I mean, the the listener, whoever this is listening to this, um, we've you and I, Alfonso, or I guess all of us, but mainly Alfonso and I have known each other, fuck, like over a decade. Yeah, bro. I think sure, at this point. Man. Because sure. uh, Candace, my ex, actually introduced you and I. Yeah, this uh, is back fucking probably two thousand three or four. <laughs> Let's yeah, parts. we're yeah we're old. Super old. Uh, What's the name of the place, bro? Here in Grand Rapids, a little fucking coffee shop. Oh, you talking about Liquid Room? Yeah, yeah Liquid oh, Room. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that shit was hype. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Saw so many shows back there back in the day. <laughs> um, no, but I was thinking about how when you guys started, 
about a, I was thinking about how terrible your, your shitty hair dread things were. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Y'all motherfuckers always make fun of me on everything, don't no, you? No. You can find it on Google. Yeah, that's true. Make fun I, of me about my lyrics when we were first writing songs. Make fun I, of me about my fucking I, hair. I never said shit about your lyrics. Yeah, I said your awesome. hair looked fucking ridiculous. Because <laughs> you could tell back then that shit was going, and you were like holding on like with the last last few like strands of uh, rubber band you could put into it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I remember when you finally cut your hair, I was like, God damn, you look better as a, as a front man. Yeah, I no hair. Yeah, losing that moment. Well, well, you know, can't have it everything, man. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Probably, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, I was thinking about, like, how even back in the day you guys used to play shows that were, like, you weren't afraid to play with anyone. Like, I remember so many shows with Edison Kalayo. Oh, and you dude. dudes, yes, oh, that yes, sick. they were very and like I think I feel like you guys even did one show with like Calliope, which for those yeah. if you don't, it, for those who don't know who the band was, they're like an indie rock band, and Edison Cleo or Clio whatever was kind of like a slightly more pop punky indie rock band. Oh, and I remember you guys would play with like anybody and everybody, and I'd be like. You guys stick out like a sore thumb on this, Bill, but I feel like it's like a sore thumb in a fun way, like where it was just like, yeah, fuck it, we're here, who gives, well, who cares? We, we used to play with, like, we still do, I mean, we still play with everybody, but, like, I mean, back in the day, man, like, the thing is, it's like, the way that the scene is now is a lot different than the way that the scene is back then, and, and back, back in the day, like, we were... You know, we didn't have the internet at our disposal the way that we have it now. No. <laughs> so for us, it was like, any show was a good show. You know, yeah, any show was a good show. Any show. So we were being offered shows. You know, we couldn't just get online and be like, yo, let us play. Like, people would invite us to shows and offer us shows. And, like, we play with fucking, like, Edison Clio. And then the next day we play with, like, Emotep. And the day, the next time we play with Still Remains. And, and then Summer Dying and fucking. Summer Dying, Death Death Core yep. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Before Deathcore so, was a thing. So, I mean. Uh, I myself personally I'm a firm believer that when you start your band and you're starting as a band fucking play anywhere and everywhere bro it doesn't matter it doesn't fucking matter there's punk bands hip hop bands fucking play anywhere because there's someone there that's gonna fucking at least pay attention to what you're doing and it spirals out of that but that's a personal opinion whatever you know I feel like it's something you guys have held on to over the over the last decade, like just playing any anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. And I feel like it's something that a lot of bands don't do. I feel like a lot of bands try to take a calculated move into, well, we have to play with this band because they're cool, or their fans are going to be our fans, or this venue will then like us because we we have scrims and we have a fucking dude we pay for lights and a bunch of other shit, and it's it's more. Bridget and I, my wife and I have a joke uh, through her friends, all sparkle, no substance. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what a lot of bands, and, and Derek, I'll, I'll get to you in a little while, uh, once we kind of get into where you fit into the Heartsick Army, I guess, or the camp. Um, but, so I mean, at that point, we've kind of gotten to like the band starting out in Lansing, going to college. Um, at what point... At what point did you, you either you, Jared, or Alfonso, decide to take the band more seriously and want to want to do it as, as something where you're hitting the road a lot more and playing maybe outside of Lansing or, or the Michigan area? And what, what made you come to that conclusion? When, do you, when did you think you were ready? Or what made you feel like you were ready? I, th I think that we both are going to have similar answers and, and some varying differences here and there. But, you know, I really wanted to touch on something that you said real quick about, like, the... Um, 
lights, no substance, whatever. All sparkle, no substance. All sparkle, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I get why bands want to have that calculated move. Like, I get it, I, you know, because that's what you're being fucking sold in the industry. The reality is this. There's no fucking formula for any of that shit. Go out there, do what you do, have fun doing it. Stop trying to be like your fucking idols and imitate them and start trying to be like your idols and be better than them. You know what I'm saying? Like, so for us, when it comes to when do we start taking seriously, I think we always take it serious. I don't like when we started the band, all of us were like, this is something we all love to do and we want to do. We've been doing it now for 16 years, the same fucking dudes. I think that that alone speaks for itself. I don't think that at any point in time, at no point in time, and I think that maybe right now, maybe now, bands that are younger think of it differently. But we thought of it as, let's have fun. We weren't like, let's start a band to get a record deal and, and fucking do whatever. Don't get me wrong. I think we would all That's agree. That's always a goal. That, yes. So, exactly. <laughs> I mean, That's a goal. We had like that type of vision, but when we were starting out, we had these, uh, you know, it was like, okay, let's try to play some shows around the area at the venues that we love growing up, that we've seen bands, and try to play with some nationals and kind of get the feel for that. And then once we were regularly playing those venues and getting on that, then we just kind of felt like, yeah, let's let's go on a tour, let's make that happen, and let's go see this, and then, you know, it was just kind of, it was more gradual, but we were just having fun doing what we were doing and playing shows all over, and once it get, gets to that point, you really can't rush anything, yep. because once you start rushing it, you just, you fall behind, and it's just what you all feel like doing basically uh nowadays with that everything's calculated like oh we have to do this we have to play this we have to have this shit and it's like the only thing you need is just who you are just to get out there and play and then if everybody's on board that's great and you can do whatever you want but uh yeah it's really just getting out and meeting people and bringing back like the whole music as a community yeah. other than like music as a competition okay. or hey I'm from this area I'm gonna bring my area back on the map and then don't even talk to anybody else just trying to do that's not cool do you guys feel like that was a because th- I'm trying to think of when really this this battle of the bands thing started like with we'll say with like around here locally there was an old radio station KLQ and they used to do the battle of the bands and they'd have people yeah. from like you know, Lane St. Grand Rapids, Muskegon, Kalamazoo, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it was a big fucking deal. Yeah. But through talking with, like, friends in the Camilla thing, like, they had won one year, and then they they basically should have won the next year, too, but they were flat out told, like, you're not going to win because we don't let bands win two years in a row. Like, that's just not how shit works. So it's like knowing that there's politics involved in shit like that, do you feel like the battle of the bands thing started maybe when you guys were kind of coming up? you know as a new band or was it always a thing where where people within the industry whether it be local or national were always kind of trying to pit bands against each other and try to create that like you're saying like that that sense of divide kind of no. yeah i think more of it is <laughs> the uh you know the re- the radio station it's a great idea to get the best bands from around to bring their fans everybody's there it sells a lot of tickets they're always great shows and that's the real point is that you're playing in front of other bands fans and it's just a big community and that's great but then they put the battle aspect in that there's only one winner that's better than everybody and that's kind of how it has to be 
and we just kind of saw it as an opportunity just to sell merch and meet new people, which is what it is. But they ha- they do make it into a battle where, you know, it, it's real easy to get the competition thing going, but you're just in one area of America. It's like you should not be competing with anybody in your state. That should be everything that, you know, that's cool. But it's a great idea for what it was. Um, but, yeah, some people take it really serious. and They could be upset that they didn't win, but they sold more merch than they could ever have playing any other show and just don't see that. So that's the main thing, just connecting with the most people. I may yeah, sound like a jaded dickhead about <laughs> this, so whatever, take it, at, take it with a grain of salt. But listen. Battle of the Bands to me are fucking bullshit. They've always been bullshit. There's only one purpose to a Battle of the Bands. And if you go in with this mentality of a Battle of the Bands, and I guarantee you will never be fucking disappointed. The only fucking, only purpose of a Battle of the Bands anywhere, especially, especially if it's done by crowd votes, is to make money for the fucking venue that is there. Period. Flat Truth. the fuck out. Yep. That shit does not matter. The idea that there's a band that's better, bullshit. Because being better is fucking a subjective idea. I could be better at something and internally I think I'm better. But there's probably eight fucking different people out there that are better than me. And they think that they're better than me internally. So on and so forth. It's a never-ending cycle of bullshit, if you ask me. Two. Popularity contest. Yeah. Two. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not a battle of the bands. It's called a popularity contest. And that shit doesn't matter. Because the truth is, is this. And this is how we took and have taken Battle of the Bands all the time, every time. We've never won be like, yeah, we're going to win this. Let's win. We've gone in there and be like, this is a good idea because there's going to be a shit ton of people from all these other bands that are going to bring everybody and we ain't going to bring anybody. <laughs> yeah, so let's fucking play. Merch. Yeah. yeah. We're and looking we'll, for the merch. Aspect. You know, we'll sell tickets. We'll sell like, you know, at that time we'd, we'd sell like 50, 30, whatever, whatever tickets, you know. But we weren't from fucking Grand Rapids. We weren't like Camilla. We weren't fucking all these other people, you know, like that could bring 150, 200 friends because they'd been in other local bands their entire life and we just started in college. Like that, that wasn't like ever and has never been the purpose for us to do Battle of the Bands. And the Battle of the Bands that we've won have been legit Battle of the Bands that were done by judges. And you know what? Those bands... (laughs) Those battles, I think, speak for themselves who was the best band because we won. And it wasn't by crowd votes, so whatever, fuck you. We're, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, And we don't even... And the battles that we have won that are really big deals, we don't ever fucking talk about them or brag about them. Why? Because that's not the purpose of being in a band. Like, that's not even the case. Like, what I find the most astounding, because mind you, I have, a pers- I have two very unique perspectives one of being in a band that's been for doing things for a long time has been able to be very blessed and climb that tier more and more but two as a booking agent as well what i can tell you realistically man what blows my mind the most is you could say let's have a battle of the bands and all these bands will fucking literally whip out their dicks and measure them to see which one is bigger <laughs> and fucking sell all these tickets and do whatever they want, dude, and draw dicks on each other all day long and talk shit about each other all day long. <laughs> and and they'll get and they'll get like all these people to come out to a show. Mind you, 
they will not see a penny of that money. Nope. They'll bring 200 friends, 100 friends, selling tickets for like $10, $12 a fucking pop. And they don't make shit. They get handed 100 bucks, and they're like, oh, thank you. And start choking on a dick, <laughs> right? But when you ask motherfuckers to do a show, a local show, and headline, and be like, yo, 70% of this fucking profit is yours, nigga. Take it. Oh, 15... 15. 60, 70 people they sell tickets to. And they'll show up and be like, oh, we only sold two tickets. It <laughs> blows my mind, bro. It's the most ass-backwards mentality in the world. But it's it's a radio battle of the bands, so anybody th- hears the legit, oh, it's the radio thing. We're going to that. It's a legit event. And that's just how it is. You know, yeah. that's how it goes down, but... I'm gonna shake Nate's hand real quick. You're good. It's what worth else? it's worth doing that. Doing it's a, worth uh, doing battle of the bands. Video. There's gonna be a lot of people there. You no, know? Whoa! Say hi, guys. <laughs> guys from. What uh, <laughs> up? From Madison. What's up, dude? From Madison. Hey. Say hi, dickheads. What's hey. How's hey. What's up, guys? There you go. How you doing, man? See, it's all about unity, bro. It's all about I know. family. All right, cool. Right. You got to show it. Hey, how you going, guys? We'll see you in there in a little bit. So, at that point, like, I didn't necessarily mean to make that a tangent, but. Uh, Sorry. No, no, it's totally fine because I think we it's. We love it's to de- talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gonna say it's definitely one of those things where I think uh, it's something that a young band gets caught up in is trying to make a name for themselves and they either oversaturate their market or just something within, uh, we'll say, a fifty mile radius, and playing too much, um, or not saying no for certain shows and, and making the shows that they do play special because like you're trying to build your fan base and you're trying to get your name out there but at what cost to yeah, people I mean, just not wanting to come out it's hard. and i feel like i feel like maybe that's and just knowing you guys and, and not holding any punches for at least from you like i don't really talk to you a whole lot jared but uh yeah fuck you jared <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it's i talk to him during shows but like, it's not like him and i like alfonso and i text probably once a day or so um but it's one of those things where I feel like you guys kind of fell into that for a while. Like, I used to see you down here. It's, it seemed like every two weeks or so, um, playing with, like, Kuru Camilla, just yeah. a shitload of bands, sure. Liquid Rooms, Break Room, sure. Intersection, sure. whatever. So, I mean, like, that's how I ended up finding out about you guys and liking you. And I remember writing, and this sounds really fucking corny, but it is a time... A stamp of the times, but I remember writing in my diary at one point. It was like, saw this band, No Life. They're from Light. They're from Lansing. They're pretty good. They play a whole bunch, and I <laughs> and I feel like I've seen them a whole lot, and they just play the same songs. But then I, re- I remember writing like, but so does Camilla, and I like them. So maybe their songs aren't as good. I don't know. See, but or I, because I'm friends with them, I like the songs more. My only counter argument to that during that time about overplaying is the fact that. Back then, there was no internet. The way that it was set up now, there wasn't any Facebook, there wasn't any any of that shit. Ooh. So what ended up happening was, you know, we're, t- we're talking about, I'm talking about like 2003, 2000. <laughs> well, no, I was trying to think if MySpace was around at the point. Not, 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 not to the yeah. extent that was yeah. when, MySpace came around like, I think like 2006, I think, or 2007, maybe 2005, I don't know, I don't remember. I, I bet you were trolling for Suicide Girls, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the thing uh, is, is then before, you know, this whole new technology thing, you had to play a shit ton just to get people to come to your shows and stuff and to start talking about you. Now with the internet, I believe you shouldn't oversaturate a place because you have the entire fucking internet to 
get your band's name out there without having to play the same venue seven times in a in a month. You know what I'm saying? Like you should be able to play the same venue. I think playing your hometown venue once every month is fine, or yeah. like you know whatever. But at that time, I think that's why you would see bands like Camila and Kuru play these places all the time because it was the only way that they could. Well, as I say, then the venue knew they would make money, so yeah, they the would let them. They would make money, yeah. and for us. And it was a it was a logical choice because people didn't know who we were, so we knew that we weren't gonna bring anybody. These bands don't get it twisted. We knew that these bands were being nice to us. Right. We in no way have ever felt like oh we're the big dick in this in this area today. Like no, like we're we're straight up. <laughs> we were straight up very conscious of the fact that we weren't gonna bring anybody. These guys are being super nice to us and letting this band that they've never really seen or. Or heard before open up their show and that was cool to us right you know? and and that's to me that's how it should be in a local scene if you're a bigger local band bring the younger bands out and fucking people have had to go home to get on their you know? desktop computer to check their email yeah. and everything was going on so you couldn't do that at a venue you and leave you know? when yeah. you had a notification in the middle of a set it's yeah nowadays it's like half the crowd can leave because and then watch of, it live on Facebook. Because of some, like, Amber Alert or yeah. something. You know, it's like, yeah. But once they were there at the venue, then they were there, basically, for the night or for whatever, unless they had other previous plans. But nowadays, it's like people just go out to big events, things they feel that are legit, or they go out to their favorite pub, club, whatever. Like, Mulligan's is cool, uh, machine shop, you know, every night there. It's gonna have a decent crowd, but yeah, unless unless there's really an incentive to go out, especially in the winter, people rather sit in front of their computer, eat Cheetos, drink beer, <laughs> watch porn. Yes, with some metal behind it. Yes. So hopefully we can be that soundtrack, Burning Angel. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna kind of jump forward a little bit. Uh, in your your band's history, yeah, I may let Jared take over more so here in a little bit, only because I want to go watch the second band. Okay, you'll see him Sunday, so there's really no need. I know, but I kind of feel like a <laughs> dick. I don't like doing that. I know I should it's go in there to too, but on your priorities. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was gonna say, uh, so you guys, oh, fuck, I'm trying to really peg down a, a time frame. But when when did Nico leave? And because I feel like at that point the band was kind of established, and then you lost Nico for him to pursue his career or a relationship. I don't remember which. Um, but you guys went through a, a lineup change and ended up getting uh, Matt. Yeah. You ended up getting Matt. So basically, like to clear up. You and know, the, the whole Nick thing is more so. Hey, it's Waylon. Hey, the low end theory. That sauce. So, basically, was <laughs> it was yeah. a tough time in his life, you know. So he he just you know basically exited out, and that was cool, you know. Whatever that shit happens like that. Then we you know Matt came into the fold, and that was fucking a, a good 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 time, a good run there with him. So. Well, the funny thing is, when Nick left was the day that we got sponsored by Jaeger, and then the time Nick came back, within that week, we weren't with Jaeger any longer, with Coldcock. Yep. So he missed the whole Jaeger shit. <laughs> back when it was actually relevant to be sponsored by Jaeger. And they put it in the Orbit Room. Yeah. And that was great. That was definitely a highlight in the career. 
And yeah, yeah, we had a great time with Jaeger, great festivals, they were great to us, but it was kind of weird. He must not be down with Jaeger. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the whole reason. Yeah. How, uh, I think it is. How, how in, uh, instrumental, I guess, for lack of a, no pun intended, how instrumental is it, though, to lose a founding member of someone in your band relatively early in the in the band's history it like, affected all of us man for sure i mean we all have you know we all had all our opinions on it you know i mean you have to understand that like and i know a lot of bands say this so i mean it's so cliche whatever <laughs> but it, it really is true when bands say this it definitely is true for our band you have to understand that our band is like a family you know what i'm saying like we all hang out with each other on a regular or semi-regular basis you know i i'm kind of the oddball i don't hang out a lot of the times only because i'm always fucking busy as shit you know and i, I just <laughs> i have a bunch of dumb hobbies that i like to do you know but like, like, like touching but we are, <laughs> crack pipe <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but we really are a family and we all hang out all you know together and we all have like-minded ideas and we all we're, we're brothers we really are and losing someone like that at that time, definitely, <laughs> definitely affected us with Queen and Jelly and one of our friends in the band right now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go sit, sit with him. But, um, you know, it, it, it affected us all in, in various different ways. But at the end of the day, we all understood, you know, why he needed to leave. And like I said, I mean, you know, to clear up any inconsistencies is... It was a tough time in his life, man, and, and there comes a time, you know, when you're that young, I mean, you have to understand, we were, I mean, we were like maybe 20 by that time. Well, no, like... I was going to say probably like 23, 24. 23, 24-ish. You know? Yeah. Out of college. the songs we were making. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, fuck this, I need a real job. And, and, that, <laughs> and, and it's hard. It, it, it was. <laughs> Everybody's situation is different and it becomes hard for some people, you know, and things happen and you have to take initiative and the things that you need to do in your life more so when it comes to your own personal health mental health and and that's something that you can't ever fucking deny someone you know it's the same thing with matt you know there came a point in time where he mentally wasn't healthy you know and it, it had it he there was an exit there you know so it definitely affected us all differently but all had the same understanding for sure but it's like any other relationship like I mean, when you grow older, you realize that this time spent with something that you're not 100%, especially for the bands, bands more than anything, that if you're not there, your mind's not in it 100%, everybody else's, there's just going to be certain things that happen, problems, and, you know, it's somewhat of like a surprise to us too, but, I mean, that's the way it is, yeah. You just got to be, you got to be a hundred percent. You can't do it and you can't. And we just kept pushing on and shit happens for a reason. And we're back at it now. And I mean, it's been crazy, but it's just how it is. You just can't plan the future. You just got to go with it and try to be as understanding as you can. Even at that time, it was kind of tough. It was just like, all right, you know, it's kind of like a, got to reevaluate our situation. Luckily we got to move on and, seems like everything's worked out for the best something that i remember around that time frame for you guys was you guys ended up winning the what was it, ernie ball battle of the bands i know yeah again we're fucking yep. bringing that up but battle of the band thing but i remember you guys got on what was it 
four dates or just five, a full, five like a, a week, five, basically a week on warp Tour? Yep. yep. Now, the thing I remember about that, other than going to see you play in Detroit and play, I think, after Protest the Hero, before they became, like, the next biggest international band in prog metal, <laughs> uh, was some of you dudes showing up at the Etid show uh, at the intersection and them give, basically giving you a shout-out and inviting... I we think... I think, like, inviting you to the show, like, uh, as yeah. their guests. Yeah, those, yeah. And I remember them being like, there was a hardworking band that they came out for, like, a week on Warped Tour, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, they really impressed us, and they did all the little things, and, you know, you guys should, like, really support your thing. I know that that's been something that's been kind of, uh, that's happened to you over your career as a band, is that a lot of, like, the national shows you play, like, the national scene to kind of gravitate toward, toward what you guys are doing and actually giving you props and... and you know, actually taking a shit, not taking a shit, taking a moment to actually give a shit about what you're doing and, and give you recognition. Was it kind of frustrating to, to get these breaks and opportunities and, and just kind of like nothing seeming to go the way you, maybe you thought they would? Like every time I die, like says, fuck, holy shit, they're going to, they invited us out to a show. They're going to take us on tour or they're going to put us in front of Epitaph or Ferret or whoever and, and, and help us get to that next level we're looking for. And, and then have it not happen like was it kind of shitty no honestly yeah. i would say I would, I would say no because I was on that. no i mean i i never expected or think that these guys would help us ever get signed i just look at it more as like i look at it as in like man we're just gaining like amazing friends that do amazing music and then we just they're just good friends and like really down to earth cool people and it's I don't know I never thought once that it's like oh man we got every time I die that like our band oh they should hopefully they'll like talk to people and get us signed it's like I never thought that or think that they would do that or expect them to do that at all like you know of all things I mean but, they see more bands than any labels too yeah so they know you know and that's just great feeling then and there's just so much politics going into getting signed and what labels think they can do that that just means a lot more you know it's the first few times it happened it's like <laughs> oh yeah you know we're like oh this is it. this is our break it hasn't happened before this band really likes us it's gonna you know but we've been a band for so long that even if they said they were gonna get us signed or we can do this nothing is for certain until you sign that paper and it's not even you know the big thing right now so at least we are able to be friends with these bands and play when they come around and you know you just got to keep doing what you, you're doing but at this point it's really awesome when you really like a band you get to play with them and then you know they like you too and they tell you that before you can even tell you them that you like them you know like so that's a great time they're floating through their set, I guess. Bye, Alfonso. We'll miss you. <laughs> Thank fucking God. Just Talk shit. God, that dude's out of here. Not like party, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess since I have uh, Waylon and Jared now, and not the official mouthpiece that usually talks on behalf of your band. <laughs> um, so around my time, uh, you, right around, I think within a year or two around then, you guys went through another lineup change of getting... Uh, Jake, I think of yep. his name. You got Jake. Jake the Snake. <laughs> Jake, take the snake. And uh, <laughs> sorry, Jake, uh, we love you. And again, like the band changes a little bit. 
Well, the lineup changes, relationships probably change. Uh, again, like I know I kind of asked Alfonso, Waylon, you weren't in here at the time, but how much does a lineup change really affect a band, even that late in your guys' career, like where you think like maybe with with um, uh, Matt that it's going to, you know, this is the lineup, like we get along, we all hang out, like we got, you know, we're brothers in arms, so on and so forth, and you, and you guys hit the road a bunch and kind of build that camaraderie, and then, you know, now you replace them again. Like how hard is it to, to re reestablish a new lineup and, and kind of figure out who you are as a band? You know, it, after Matt... And, you know, what happened... We haven't gotten there yet. Oh. <laughs> we, well, we, we'll get there when you guys talk about the new... When we talk about the new record. Yeah. New-er record. Well, when Jay came in, was it was it was awesome because, like, we've known him for a long, long time. He was in a band called Prevalent Dreams, and then he played with Summer uh, Dying, Summer Dying yep. for a while, too, you know? And it was like, you know, it's another Lansing band that's doing, like, straight-up, like real real metal you know and just loved it and it's like he was always such a amazing solid drummer and so like i was the one i was like begged like the guys like this is the guy that we need to play with our band because he was so solid and tight and and it was just a different style than what matt was matt was like had the groove and stuff like that and then jake came in and he had like the double bass and he can do the blast beats and stuff and so it's like a whole new spectra of writing music just a whole new way of thinking of writing music when he joined the band so like it was i didn't feel like it was that much of a difference especially just because we've known him for so long too you know i don't know jared i don't know if that's how you feel about it yeah no it just it fit it was good we were writing the new album at that time so all the songs we were writing it really fit good they were real aggressive and fast fit his style yeah so it really worked and then we started just writing more and more songs and getting that down and then you know just went out and started playing them and yeah everything worked out really good with that and uh that really helped us but then uh you know everything just shit happens people have other interests and it was all good for me. I knew what was going on. Like, you know, he had different issues, all sorts of different shit going on. And then, you know, Nick came back. I mean, I don't look too far into different shit, but it's like, you know, everything's everything was actually going as smooth, even though it didn't seem like it was. It was like we always had just people to help us out, and that was the main thing, you know? Now... Before, because I'm not even sure of this time frame myself personally. Like having been involved in helping get some of the tentatively some of the guest artists you guys were looking at getting uh, for your last record. Um, Matt, your old drummer, ended up passing away to drugs. Yep. I, I'm not gonna necessarily say what it was because I don't know. For, like I have an idea of what it was, but I'm not. It's yeah. whatever. He passed away due to drugs. Yeah, it's, it's a drug shitty circumstances. Shitty circumstance. Uh, around the time of you guys finishing the recording of the new record, you end up getting Nico back, your original drummer, and kind of coming back together with the original lineup almost a decade later, uh, yeah. being as a band. How much of how much of the record was written 
and you know a lot of this might fall on Alfonso and he just left but how much of the record did you guys write knowing that it was kind of going to be so heavily influenced based on what happened with Matt uh, I know Alfonso we got a few songs about that um, and yeah the lyrical content of the album I'm sure has a lot to do with that it's when they you know the any song that's about death any song that's about you know a loss or anything like that was for him um, as far as the music goes there was a few songs that he liked that we redid or worked on or that weren't finished um, for that but um, I mean it's it might have been an inspiration or something like that but it wasn't, wasn't something that it, you guys thinking all of it kind too of heavy. Went into like, it. Okay. you know, there's a few jams that we got, like the Simber Note. That was going to be that's you know what Alfonso said. Oh, I'm going to do lyrical content about Matt, you know, and then you know, there's a lot of songs about death too. So it either opened his eyes about other deaths in his life or like anything or just you know. So it was definitely a big influence. But as far as like the songwriting, uh, the riffs, I mean, they go from there's so many different things that are going through my head that I can't just... I don't think I've ever wrote, written a song that was just about one thing. Uh, riffs are different, but it's just kind of... It's more of a creation thing than, like, an influence about something that's been lost. So it was never kind of a... It was never, like, something that was kind of looming over the band. Looming may not be the right word. Not something that wasn't over the band kind of... <laughs> It was any, guiding, guiding where the the everything was going. No, it was more of a just a positive thing that we were just like, um, you know, like we got to do this more than ever, or you know, just be true to ourselves and keep this going because that's what he would want. And uh, yeah, it's just unfortunate when that shit goes down. But yeah, it was basically just writing as much shit as we. Were, could do that was a new thing for us too we always recorded songs we play live and half the album we hadn't even played or even like we've written some things and then put it together in the studio too so it was, it was a whole new experience and that kind of made it better because it was more of a new band thing or it's just, yeah it just anything new kind of felt good and fresh because you know it's it's hard to go back and Rehashal, yeah, re yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's hard because you, you get influenced by other things, and we just wanted a fresh new thing, and it came out real good. So, with the new music, what made you all collectively decide that this was now the time to be a new band, new band name, to rebrand yourselves? And was it a was it a very easy move to make, or was it hard because you've put a decade's worth of, you know? I mean, hardships we, into to building we'll always what be the no band life. was like if people want it we do play older songs one or two you know so it was mainly as the name was just dated um and then with Matt everything was just like it just kind of seemed like it it should happen and we weren't getting really taken serious with that name because I mean we'd start in 99 2000 and it was like new metal was just the thing you know or whatever the different names have changed so much and just being able to kind of have a fresh outlook 
being able to come out with a self-titled album. You kind know, of take, a rebranding, like, who, this is who we are now. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, it's just a name, too, so it's... It's just something that it didn't haunt us, but it was if it, if it was going to happen, it was going to happen when it did, oh. and uh, you know that's just it just had to it just kind of had to happen. Did you guys think it was kind of weird at all? Like right after you guys changed your name, and, and maybe this is me like kind of looking on the peripherals of of the music scene that you're in a little more than maybe you were, but Color Morale put out a record called No Hope, spelled N O W, Hope. And a lot of people gave you shit for like no life, oh K N O W, you know whatever. Did you yeah, feel like maybe like you just missed it when it was like, oh this fucking <laughs> band, it's not even like hasn't been around that long, comes out of the record and it has serious similarities to like our band name, and now it's cool to like do shit like with a spelling like that, like kind of like a double entendre of sorts, where you kind of like, well fuck, we changed it and now it's cool to maybe do this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, not even aware, really. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is with that. Like, there will always be certain things like that, too, but it just seemed like we could go as far as we did with the no-life thing. And, uh, you know, our new songs aren't that much different. We're not, like, looking to do different a different style of music, really, at all. But I think that uh, just kind of like the visions, it hasn't changed, but it's just... It's kind of like opened our eyes, yeah, yeah. And be more focused on stuff and just be like, uh, you know, and actually broaden, like our new CD's got a lot of different styles of music too. Definitely. Which is good. I think it's the uh, first ballad you've, like straight on ballad you've done. Yeah, yeah, it was just like, alright, this is where shit is right now and just kind of put everything out there and it wasn't as much as a fresh new start as just... You know where we were at at that point, and uh, I mean it's just yeah, it's a name. It's it's just stupid that that's got to be like brought up. It just you know, it's just like it is what it is. Have you guys noticed a, a drastic change since you've changed the name? Like in how people perceive you as a band, as the business of being in a somewhat touring band and all that. Like, have you noticed any difference? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I mean, we get put on certain things, and uh, you know, we can be like the a newer band than like, oh, well, that's the band that's you know been here for this long or been that or whatever. You know, it's like it, it's more of the album than like a no new no life album. It was right. like this is. You know, this is kind of the sound. You know, we changed. We used a lot of seven yeah, strings. Like it's next, like okay. right now. So okay. But yeah, we used you know seven strings. We got just kind of a new vision, <laughs> new type of sound. So it was the right time to do it. I guess I will put a pause on this. The band's about to go on in like the next couple minutes, so I'll put a pause on this, and then we'll uh, finish it up when they're done. So see ya. Alright, so we're seeing if this... Oh, yeah, it still is picking up. Alright, so Heartsick has just played their set here at Mulligan's. I'm sitting here now with a, a reunited drummer, Nico Killips. Um, 
earlier we discussed actually you being in the band and uh, about you leaving and how it affected the band and if it's weird for them to continue on uh, without you, uh, what a lineup change does to a band. So since I have you currently with me, let's discuss maybe what uh, reforming with the band that you started, what that's like for you, because that, that's kind of a unique perspective almost a decade later to yeah. rejoin a band that you, you helped found. So what was that like? Um, it was really interesting because I could kind of come in from like a fan's perspective. Um, Alfonso was kind of sending me like pre-production mixes of the record and I was really impressed. Um, he sent me Illegal Aliens like before like any of the um, post-production stuff was added and it was already a very strong song and so... Um, so yeah, it was very it was very fun. It was a fun place to be. <laughs> um, what has coming back into the fold and not only playing these new sh- these new so- newer songs that maybe you didn't help write, but now you're at a point at in the career of the band where you're starting to write these new songs. So what is it like to be able to come back into the fold and, and write with your brothers again? Um, it's been so much fun. Um, I guess, and I, and I guess, fun is kind of going to kind of be the theme here, um, because <laughs> I I used to approach being in a band in a very different way. It used to be very much about like um, only about business and pushing constantly. And um, as I've gotten older, I've kind of learned to kind of go with the flow and not go against the grain and just kind of see what happens. Um, and that's I think that's really paid off for us. Um, we've allowed ourselves to write songs that you know, is more in our voice now that we have this more, like, natural um, way of writing and very laid back. Um, So, yeah, it's been, it has been really fun. It's been fun again. Um, So that's really rewarding for me. Do you feel like it was fun like it used to be when you first started the band, when you were still in the band? Or is it a different... uh in a different realm because now you guys are all older you know more what you everyone knows their strengths and weaknesses everybody knows what they bring to the table and so you're able to approach it in a different in a different way than you were before like what i mean i don't know i don't know if i'm explaining it well on my own end but no i I think i know what you mean um and that's a good point um i think it's more fun for me now because we all are so busy that the time that we get is very sparse to to dedicate to the band and so the time that we do get is really really awesome um it just you know um you know we don't we unfortunately don't get to rehearse as often as we would like um but when we do it's just a lot of fun just because we don't get to do it very often um because we are all older and we have more responsibilities being in the a different perspective as you said earlier as uh being a fan per se as since you were gone for so long when you came back and now that you're writing new stuff, do you do you see the difference in how the band has progressed over over the decade that you were gone? Or does it just feel like falling back into to old ways because it's your friends and you have that rapport with them? Um, it's kind of both. Um, it was it was a very easy transition for me, as you could imagine. Um, I've known those guys and I've kept up with them over the years. You know, I moved to Chicago for about four years. Um, but every time I came back, I'd always find time to hang out with them, um, and that that never changed. Um, so it was it was uh, it was easy in that way. Um, 
but I actually think that they've really grown in that they've recognized where their strengths are and they play to those strengths and I think it really showed on this last record and I think it's showing on the new material too what uh what are you most proud of because the band's in an interesting spot right now where they can with the original lineup I mean Sans your boy I don't remember if you play keyboard and or turntables we had uh <laughs> um, we have a, a DJ. His okay. name is Tom, my good friend. And then uh, Quentin, the other guitar player. Okay. So, for the most part, the original lineup is back in, in formation now. What has changed? Other, Obviously, it's a, it's a loaded question, per se, in the fact that you guys are all <laughs> at least a decade older. Um, what do you think has, though, changed in what the band brings, what you guys are trying to do. I feel like the band's still in a position where you're trying to prove yourself, like, show in and show out. But I feel like, and then we discussed this earlier before you were in on the podcast, where the name chain seems to have brought a fresh perspective for new listeners to not go, oh, no life, I've heard of them. They're kind of the joke for for better or worse. Like, they, they were a joke within the, the local scene here in Michigan, undeservedly so, but do you feel like with the name change since you've been back in the band, the newer songs that you are playing heavily on the, on the set that you play, plus the newer songs that you've helped write, do you tend to find that they're more open to what you are are doing now i do feel like people take the band more seriously with the name change i definitely feel that um and a lot of my friends who supported no life are very happy with the name change um and that that's really the the extent to the insight that i have um on that but i do feel it do you feel like there are more people though who are like wow that band guys are really good and and almost in a sort of backhanded compliment way, like, I don't know if that makes sense, like, where it's like, oh, no life, we used to see them play all the time, blah, 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 and then they see you now, and they're like, shit, when, because the thing that I always hear is, wow, when did this band get serious? And it's like, no, they always were, I just don't think you took them seriously. So how much of it, I guess, is changing the public perception of what it was to what it, what it is now to where people get it? I don't know if that made any sense. Um, no, it, it does. Um, I think that people do take us more seriously now. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of power in a name. There's a lot of power in a brand. And our brand has under, undergone a huge overhaul. Um, it's not just in the name. It's also in, like, you know, our marketing materials, um, you know, the design of the logo, you know. Um, so I think I think all of that kind of going along with the name change has really helped um, change the opinion of a lot of people. Alfonso, as someone who's been in the band the whole time, I know you and I have brief, actually not briefly, we've talked about it off and on. What do you think it's done for you guys? It's done a lot, and I'm going to go with, I think, about (laughs) (laughs) 99.999% of people's perception suddenly changing is the band name, and I think that's you know, speaking up for myself, I think that's completely ignorant that people <laughs> that people do that, and I don't. I you know, like, that's, a, that's a psychological thing, though. I that's mean, definitely. You know, I yeah. I think it's one of the like Nick said. I think it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know what it is, I don't know why it is. I'm not gonna pretend like I do, but it's like, 
the moment we changed our name, like half of my friends, legit friends, legit, would you say like, legit friends who hang out with you, who know like, you, like know page, how much you've dumped into it, like the page, out of like all the, and I was like, I don't, and of course I didn't ask because I just I figured that for them it was oh something big's happening so now let me go kind of thing, but I think that people you know I think that. In all honesty, man, changing the name, you know, really did a lot of good for us. And it changed a lot of people's perception of the band just based on the name. I, I, I'm not going to guess to me as to why, but I am going to say that it's ignorant that it did because we, we haven't changed anything. You know, we like the band, like we didn't suddenly change the name and then start writing songs like Whitechapel or anything. We just changed the name. And I, till this day, I still get messages all the time so did you change the band like is it still the same band and i'm like nigga you seen everybody there like come on in come on in you seen Hold everybody up. there wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> let me put some bass up in it you, you no you're good huh? you've seen everybody there you know and it's good we just it's still this this huh? like concept that we've changed the band Cold. for some reason i don't know why that is so <laughs> Why, man? Is it yeah, frustrating for you to have been in the band all the, all this time, change your band name, and then start getting some of the recognition you feel like you should have always had this whole time? Honestly, no, man. It's not something I, I I don't even waste my time thinking about it because like if you if you waste your time thinking about stuff like that, all it does is just like you said frustrates you, and then like I you know I already have enough. Issues as it is, like Enjoy. as far as like my own personal mental well being and shit. I don't need to to keep like continuously thinking about all this negative stuff. You know, like I'm just happy that it's something that people still enjoy and that people want to have in their lives. You know, I don't I don't focus on any of the bad at all. Like not not in that sense. Whatever they like the name, great. They don't like the name, whatever. Who cares? It just is what it is kind of thing, you know? What do you hope happens? Like, now now that you've got one full-length record that seems to be doing pretty well amongst everyone who hears it, it seems like your shows locally that you're headlining and so forth seem to be doing... There seems to be a bigger draw. It seems like the name is, is building already in the year or so that it's changed. What do you hope happens with this new record under the new name? What is, what is the goal? Especially now with Nico back in the fold with the original lineup back in, do you feel like sort of there's more to prove that the, the lineup was always strong, that you guys always wrote stronger songs? Or is that more something that someone like me from the outside feels like they're putting on you because you've always kind of had to fight through all the negative shit? I mean, what do you think, Nick? Um... I think that uh, uh, speaking to the goal, um, we've talked about this a lot. Um, I think one of our goals is right now is to kind of like get these new songs in the hands of people that can get us to a platform that gives us a little more exposure than we can do ourselves. Um, I think that's a pretty common goal for any band. Um, but we've really been careful about who we do business with and who we talk to because. You know, we just want to make sure that any kind of entity is going to, um, you know, offer something that's in 
both both of our best interests, not just theirs, and that's that's difficult to find, which is why it's taking a while for us to um, move on that. But I think we're in a good place now. I think we have some strong songs, and we're getting them in the right hands. It's just a matter of time, I think. For me, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is just to make the best possible new record we can make. Period. And, you know what what that leads to is an endless amount of possibilities you know but i think that if we like if we sat there like we don't we we literally don't sit there and go well our label's gonna like this or no we just sit i mean we sit and have conversations especially me and nick that are just like this shit is so above and beyond anything that we've done and it's it's pushing our own envelope and it's got more of a cohesiveness to it not not that we've never been a cohesive band that's not it but it's more like every record we've experimented in certain certain like styles and aspects, you know. And I think that that's what people know us for. But I think with this new record, it kind of like comes full circle. And I think that that's really what's important to us is let's make the absolute best record we possibly can, so that then we can get more opportunities. And it's not like we lack opportunity. We don't. We've we've been very very fortunate, but. You know, obviously you always want that forward momentum, like Nick says, and, and, and the only way to do that is to put out consistently better and better material and consistently put out a better, better, um, you know, face in front to the band, you know, it's like we, and I think that goes like full circle with anything, whether it be the music, the artwork, you know, I think like back when we were in No Life, all those things were kind of coming together and we were called no life and i think that we learned a lot from that so that when we changed the band name to heartsick we were able to immediately know how to market the band and immediately know how to put a face to the band art wise because art is extremely important you know like we have conversations nick and i we're just like these designs have to be off the hook everything we do has to be off the chain you know what i'm saying and it's like that's just how it's got to be so I think that with this new record, you know, we, we know the opportunities are going to come. The, the goal is make the absolute best record that we can. But we're all like, all that is awesome, you know? Based on seeing you guys tonight, and it's the first time I think I've seen you play in at least a few months, it seems like you're kind of speaking to the effect of what you're saying, Alfonso. Uh, it seems like you guys are going in more on the imagery to, to coincide with your lyrical theme. Like you have roses along, like all of this, you know, all the amps, all the drums, so on and so forth, to kind of coincide with the rose casket diary, uh, which is I, presumably, I would say, like your your single you're pushing uh, collectively as a band. It seems like that's the imagery you're going with some of your merch designs, with your stage setup, so on and so forth. Uh, it seems like you guys are thinking about things from a, a, a more visual perspective and a, a grander perspective uh, with everything. Um, I had an idea and I kind of am blanking on it now. Um, with... Look at the kitty. What was that? Look, Look at the kitty. kitty. I don't like kitties. <laughs> they scratch No, it's just because you're like, uh... <laughs> I know. Um... Yeah, I've been drinking too with your band, so that that also helps <laughs> or doesn't. <laughs> so, actually, something I guess it's really relevant for someone our age with a band that's gone through as much as you have over the staying together for as long as you have. Alfonso, you just bought a house. You're looking to get married in the next yeah. ten months or so. 
Nico, you gave up on... I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it like that. You decided to pursue another passion, i.e. I, your career, uh, and forego music as your as your main hobby. And Jared and, and Waylon have kids and have other things that they do in their Waylon own life. Waylon has kids. Yeah, yeah. But Jared has video games. I was going to say, collectively, they have other hobbies, basically. He spends um, as much time with video games as he would his kids. He does. That's yeah. fine. But the, th- <laughs> the thing is, now with everyone getting older, I mean, we're all coming to our mid, mid-30s or approaching later, and other things are deemed more important based on societal norms of where we should be. How hard is it to dedicate time? to being in a band that tours in as much as you can or are willing to in juxtaposition to what you do currently to, to pay your bills. It's a really hard balance to strike. Um, I, I'm really learning how to balance everything. Um, I'm kind of trying to forge a career of entrepreneurship to where I have the flexibility to go on the road if I want to. Um, that's really important to me. That's a huge reason why I went this route. Um, but there's a huge learning curve to it. Um, and I, and I, I know that the other guys are, you know, doing their best to kind of find the balance too. Um, it's hard for anybody. Um, I think we're doing a good job. I think we're getting better. I know Alfonso spins a lot of plates too. (laughs) He can talk about plates. I I think that as you get older, you start sort of being able to understand and implement time management a lot better but it, be, it becomes harder to have time management in certain aspects I think the one biggest deciding factor for anybody who is an adult like us who has the kind of lives that we do and looks forward to the quality of life that we want to have I think the deciding factor is how passionate are you about you know that of which you want to do and I don't think that there's a question at all on how passionate each person in this band is about this band. You know, like something I really want to say because it it correlates to that is, you know, a a lot of unfortunately or fortunately, however it is, you know, as the front man of a band or whatever, a lot of people sort of put all that attention like on you and then think like, oh, this person does this all the time. But the reality is it's like a band especially like ours, is, is all four dudes. You know, I may be someone who's a fucking loud mouth and have really strong opinions and I don't shut the fuck up half the time, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I do all the work or anything like that. We all sacrifice an insane amount of shit just to do this band. And we all have time management issues and we try and get through them the best we can. And we all are very understanding of each other's time management. Like, I can't be mad at Waylon because he can't make a practice because he's got to take care of his kids. It's his fucking kids, man. That's his family. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be mad at that. I can't, you know, I can't, you know, like, harsh on Nick because he's got a deadline that he has to meet for his business that he's running. That's his shit, you know? Like, that makes him happy, too. Like, you have to respect that. And... I would never harp on anybody like that because, especially the guys, because I know that they're all extremely dedicated. I know that if they can, they will. If they genuinely cannot, it's because they genuinely can't and they've done everything in their power to try and make it work. And if they can't, that's fine. Like, we're not, you know, like, this isn't the military. This isn't, like, some militant thing that we run. Like I said, we're all family. We're all brothers. And it's, 
you know, of course it's hard to manage shit as you get older in time, you know, like I've got a wedding coming up, I own a house, but <laughs> whatever, like that shit's, for me on an internal level, that shit's all logical already, it's going to happen, so I know that it's going to happen, why am I going to worry about that, and, you know, like for me, so I just, and I, like Nick said, I spin my plates like a bunch of other shit that I like to do, you know, but I just do my best to make it work, you know, and sometimes I, and I am not at all the best at it like i fucking i have a really hard time giving time to other things and 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 being able to invest myself fully in certain things and 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 that's something i'm working on you know like uh, besides the band you know so but it's hard man it's hard but at the same time you just if you want to do it you do it one thing i do want to say about balancing you know the the work-life band balance um I think, I think I I feel very very fortunate that the career path that I have chosen is facilitating the monetary value of being able to buy gear and have money when we go out on tour, you know, things like that. Like, I think that we all really like value that part of it too. Like, yeah, there there'll be times where we have to sacrifice some of the time we would rather be playing, you know, or rehearsing or writing. But in the end, it, it's there's really a lot of value to being able to um, contribute monetarily to the band. Yeah, I mean that's and that's huge too. Another thing too is is like we've been a band for 16 years, so we've literally have had the fortunate instances that we've made a lot of dumb mistakes that have taught us things that we know now so back in the day we'd be like yeah let's go play at harpo's in detroit for fucking no money and pull on a 17 band bill and get fucked in the ass now we're like no because no. there's no point in that you know what right. i'm saying like we just learn how to do things smarter and it has nothing to do with not being passionate about it i think we're more passionate now about this band than we've ever been it's just we've learned a lot now we're just not, you know, we're not dumb 18-year-old kids who are like, oh, please, please let us do this. Now we're like, no, we're we're worth your time and your money, so this is what we need. And if you're not going to be able to provide that, then no problem. We don't, we're not going to be mad about it, but we're going to use our time other in, in other ways. You know what I'm saying? Like, we could have played a bunch of shows, you know, in November and December, but what good would have that done if half the shows were terrible and we could have been writing better songs and be making a better record and just wait it out to like february when it starts getting maybe the better the weather starts getting a little bit better everybody starts going out on the road and we've got shit that we really like and we can do bigger stuff like why not do that you know so it's time management is everything but we make it work but it is hard starting to slowly wrap this up um alfonso i i I was thinking recently, in light of <laughs> the, the recent presidential uh, uh, elect, election, whatever, um, I was recalling a time when I still lived out in Lansing, and I saw you come to the mall to sell some of your video games and shit to, to get ready to go on tour and have some extra money. I was recalling a time where apparently, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys went to Texas... And you got beat up for apparently not being white. Not Texas. It was Council Bluffs, Iowa. All right. Well, somewhere not here. <laughs> this is the gist. I'll be racist back to them. Fuck them. 
how how has been being in a, a metal band from the Midwest and touring, not as as a white person, and I would say predominantly well, at various points, two to three quarters of your band not being white. Have you noticed that? being a thing where people judge you before they even hear a fucking word of or a, a piece of your music absolutely not no? that was that was literally the one and only time i think that people see my tattoos and they think that i may do drugs and, <laughs> and alcohol they judge that ever before they judge my skin color the only thing that i could say to that because i in no way shape or form think that there's any race connotation in anything that we've ever done towards us, you know, being a different race or whatever. I'm I'm Hispanic, black, you know, and, you know, Nick is fucking Hispanic. Waylon is 100% Native American. Jared's an angry Frenchman. So, <laughs> you know, like, um, no, I, I don't think that's everything. I think the only thing, and it's a positive, that I notice is that the Hispanic kids that may be at the show... Or the black kids that may be at the show look at it and go, yo, this dude is this culture and he's doing something that's not culturally the norm, you know? And that's awesome because I have something that I can relate to. And maybe it's not so weird for me. That's it. It's a positive note. You know, me personally, as a kid growing up, I absolutely love seeing Hispanic and black dudes in bands because... In my neighborhood where I grew up, there wasn't a lot of that. There was a lot of, like, Hispanic music, and there was a lot of, like, hip-hop dudes, and, you know, it was a rough neighborhood, and everybody, you know, there was gangs and shit, so being a metalhead was kind of weird, but everybody was accepting. But seeing that definitely inspired me to be like, oh, well, it's okay for me to be different like that and not always fit into the mold. Other than that, none of our races have ever fucking mattered, ever at all. That was the one and only time that it mattered and you know it's never happened again you know shit happens in life but i don't think that anybody's ever judges by a race ever you know probably judges more by <laughs> by like our antics than anything it's always one of those things i just wondered though like i mean it, that is one of the only times i've ever heard that brought up but i just don't know how much of that is that you nah. don't want to bring it up because it, it just sucks and it's it's not something you're going to bring up and shit on the positives that are, are happening nah. Not I, at all. Bro. I have something to contribute to that. I, I, I think that's what's really great about metal is that you you do have bigoted people in metal bands and that we, we know them, that they are bigoted. But when we're at a show, when we're all playing together, that's put away. It, it never comes out, at least in our in our stint of being a band. Um, you know, it's kind of, it feels like one of those things that you put away if you have it, you know, at a metal show. And then when you get back home and get on Facebook, that's when you... Yeah. Right. Facebook has taught us. <laughs> if Facebook has taught us all one thing is that you know a lot of stupid people <laughs> that you didn't know were otherwise stupid, and I mean that in all sincerity, sincerity <laughs> with not being an asshole to anybody. I'm stupid too. That does not exclude me. I just, I just really love that music in general is so powerful like that. Um, Agreed. Speaking of the po the power of of music. Uh, and I wish Derek was still here uh, in the van to, to speak on this because I kind of wanted to get his perspective on things. But you've, at least with Derek, uh, 
I've noticed that you've taken kind of a, a younger person within the the metal scene out. I think he's in Lansing, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, out in Lansing with his band. Assume nothing. Uh, we'll give them the free plug. Um, you've kind of taken him under your wing. Like he's he's learned how to be a roadie of sorts. Like load in, load out the ins and outs of everyone's. At least tonight, I saw him like with Waylon. Like there was something wrong with Waylon's tone. He like went up to like his rig, like adjusted it, fine tuned it so it sounded good, and there was an, a noticeable difference in the the uh, the audible not audibleness that's not a fucking word uh, the, the quality of the, the sound. quality of the sound yes thank you um, but like he he f- heard something that was wrong knew it was wrong went and fixed it did backing vocals for you guys helped you load out. You know, he's doing all the things that you don't see a lot of local bands do, which is, is put in the fucking work to want to be successful, get with another band that they look up to, learn the ins and outs of what makes them a successful band. What does it mean to you guys at this point, a decade plus into your career, to have someone like Derek along with you that is hungry, wants to learn how to do all these things, and then is able to apply the knowledge that he's getting from you to his own band? We take zero credit for his tenacity, his personality, and for his drive. That all comes from him. You can't teach that shit. No matter what, and that's in anything, you can't teach that kind of be behavior. That comes from within. You know, you can teach somebody how to play guitar, but you can't teach them to be passionate about it and practice every single day and like sleep with their guitar and like study all the <laughs> books, you know, like you can't teach that stuff. So that's that's Derek's personality period. So that just says I mean, that just says everything about the kind of person that he is. What does it mean to us to have someone like him who just naturally just does that? <laughs> Ask Nick that question cuz he fucking I mean I think Nick can agree, dude, that the guy's a, a beast, bro, without when he's not there, <laughs> we're both like fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I, I texted him, and I was like, you're coming with us this weekend, right? And he's like, I didn't even know about it. I'm like, well, you're going. That's it. You, know, <laughs> you, you, can't, you, you can't teach that, man. As far as taking him under our wing, well, yeah, man. I mean, I like, we're all, listen, man, we're all friends. We're all family, and, and we ourselves know what it's like to be in that position in a band that's starting off that you don't know anybody, and they're... You know, you're hungry and you want to learn and everybody just kind of shits on you or like just kind of laughs at you, you know. We've had that situation. We've, Nick has literally <laughs> had that situation happen to him. Nick literally was at a show a long, long time ago where a band laughed in his face because they thought that we were some cookie cutter band. Like, I'm not kidding. So we know that feeling and we 100% fucking hate that shit. And we would never do that to anybody, so we just want to help, you know. And we just said, "Hey, Derek, you want to come help?" And he, all we said was that, and he just kind of took it upon himself after that, you know. So we just want to give back too, you know. But that—that's not us. That's all him, bro. Yeah, Derek's great. We love him a lot. We're really lucky to have him. I guess in closing, uh, I was hoping. Jared and Willem would come back and maybe discuss some of this other stuff that we've, we've talked about in the last 20 minutes or so. Um, looking forward to this new year coming up and, and the new record that's coming out. 
what do you hope to accomplish with with uh, with the new record, the new songs, and uh, what advice would you give to bands locally, whatever, that are trying to find their own way, and I guess so forth. <laughs> On my end, I would say for me, it's I, I'm I'm just looking forward to recording more demos and ideas and making the best possible record. I'm not even thinking about when we're gonna go record a new one. I'm just thinking about focusing on making these great, you know, and, and I want Nick to, you know, definitely have his input on this. And the other thing as far as what I would tell me personally, my advice to young bands is, A, don't give up ever. Follow your passion, follow your dreams. B, don't be a douche at shows, stay at shows, <laughs> watch the other bands, support the scene you know care about your band and three be excited about your band because if you're not excited about your band how in the hell do you think anybody else is going to be people are like oh do you have a show yeah maybe or like yeah we got a show like this day like you got you, you got to be you have to have tenacity and lastly musicianship matters so fucking practice you know <laughs> Practice. I mean, you can't just copy paste, copy paste, copy paste to the last place. You know, that's my end. You know, Nick, Nick's gonna say with you know his his end too. But that's Sorry. what I would say, man. Musicianship matters too. You know, all those things. Um, my advice to upcoming bands is: be smart. Look at what other bands are doing. Um, do research on the industry. Um, pay attention to the soft skills beyond just being in a band. Learn how to talk to industry people. Um, practice, you know, things like this where you're, um, you know, talking on a podcast or a radio station. You know, like, do your best to practice the soft skills too because those things are really important too. Um, and uh, Alfonso had a good point there too. The musicianship is really important. Um, I, It's... I really, really want to instill this. Like, we all really busted our butts when we started this band to be as good of musicians as we possibly could be. And, you know, we're not, I'm not saying we're virtuosos, but we really did put in the work. And, and I think that's, that is the number one important thing. Just be an awesome musician. Just be an awesome musician. Um, that's, and, the other thing I want to say, and this is actually relevant to what we've been doing with the writing, is if you can, um, don't write in a vacuum. Like, get some feedback from your musician friends, um, you know, or, or and people who aren't musicians. You know, get a, get a lot of feedback. Don't do things in a vacuum. Like, uh, get feedback. It's really important. Um, I think that's been really, really important for us writing these new songs. As we've been writing with um, and a couple of our really, really good friends who are amazing musicians that have been really really helpful um so that's my advice to up and coming bands and musicians i'm gonna add one last thing last thing that i advise is be an awesome person you know like forget about you know rewarding yourself all the time with the music think about other people too not just the music but in life in general you know we, we live in a really you know a really tough time I think a lot of people lack empathy a lot of people lack understanding be understanding be a good person you know be a good person and that's going to transcend into your instrument and that's going to transcend into your music you know give give back to the people around you that support your music 
give back to your band members, give back to your family, and and just be an example because that that really does matter, man. If you can be the greatest musician in the world, you can write the sickest songs, but if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. <laughs> and that's true. the truth. That's a, that's an important soft skill is to be not be an asshole. asshole. <laughs> yeah, soft not, skill. Not, don't be an asshole. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I that's like on a, my resume. I lack a filter sometimes. <laughs> I know, but. I, I just don't know any other way to talk. You know, so. <laughs> uh, lastly, where can everyone find the band and so forth on various social networking and so forth so they can put uh, music to the, 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 the voices that are talking right now? Nick busted his ass and he made a sick-ass website Which that is? we have. It's hardsickband.com and he built that shit from the ground up. And it's fucking genius. space. So... Watch, really? go to the website. <laughs> I was like, I was joking. The easiest way to do that is... 80 just, lines of CSS. I don't know. You literally means. go to our website. It will take you to every single spot on the internet where we're at. Just go to heartsickband.com. Like, that's the easiest. Because if I sit here and go, go to Facebook, and like, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to give you all these stupid-ass links that you're never going to remember. Like, people's attention spans. I mean, I have the attention span of Dory, so... <laughs> so just go to heartsickband.com, dude. Just go there. If you're on um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you can find us with the handle um, HeartsickBand. You'll okay. find us there also. But yes, you can also get to all of those outlets through the website as well. HeartsickBand.com. Websites matter. Another piece then, of advice. Uh, just because I'm feeling generous with the, the, the plugs and maybe 10 people will listen to this. What's uh, your business? Yes, I... <laughs> yes! <laughs> Which one? <laughs> I have a few of them. Uh, um, your, your video game stuff. Um, so I, I run a retro gaming um, pixel art studio called Behind Waterfalls. And we specialize in um, retro gaming art from the 80s and 90s. It's sick. He got me three pieces. They rock. <laughs> and uh, we work in the mediums of perler beads and glass mosaic tiles. All right. And uh, you can find that... Um, if you're into that sort of thing, um, you can find that at BehindWaterfalls.com. All right. And uh, with that, this has been uh, another Untitled Podcast because I'm too fucking lazy or not cool to come up with a name for this. Uh, I've been talking with the dudes in Heartsick. Go back to their links and listen to their music. And they should have new shit out probably in the new year. I think you should call this Toll, Toll Booth Willie's Magical Hour. Well, my name's not Willie. I don't run a toll booth, well, and I'm not you. magical. It should be that. Well, why don't... Go listen to some Adam Sandler, for God's sakes. Why don't you guys call your band Spickback Mountain? I would if I could, <laughs> but we'd probably get sued. I probably will get some hate mail for saying that. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. I, There'll I be know. some cognitive dissonance with that one, too, I think. I'm sure. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> you know what? My president's Trump. I can say whatever the fuck I want, I guess. It's your podcast, and you'll cry if you want to. That's a good way to end it.